episode 178 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I didn't have my microphone in front of my face, even though I was the one who was doing the recording. Awkward. Awkward, awkward, awkward. Um, I'm doing well. I'm excited. This is, as always, my favorite thing we do every month. Uh, We are doing December's biggest book releases, as forecasted by Jill and Adam. (laughs) Right. There there are favorite book releases. Although people do say all the time that they like that we don't pick what will probably be like the best-selling, best-selling books. Right. We, we pick the books we're most interested right. in. So, yeah. Um, we've done this now 12 times in a row. We did it all. Oh my gosh, we did. I know. We started in January and we, we did it for the full year. We're going to keep doing it next year, mostly because people really like it, but also mostly because it gives us one less uh, thing we have to come <laughs> up with every month to do. Uh, so the way this works, if you happen to be new to the podcast is Jill and I will go back and forth and we will talk about the books that are coming out in December that we're most excited about. Uh, we do not tell each other our lists ahead of time because it's fun to see which ones each other has and the reactions in real time tend to be mm-hmm. more fun. So because of that, sometimes we do hit the same books on our lists, but we've gotten pretty good at knowing which ones the other one will put on their list. So um, yeah, before we do that, We've had a lot of things coming out or that came out that would involve people reacting to us. So if people want to reach out to us, how can they do that? They can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds. And you can email us directly at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Yes, they can. Please do that. Um, Thank you to everyone who reached out about the Penguin Hotline recommendations. We actually just got done recording our interview with the publishing... the. Penguin Publishing President. Uh, So that'll come out a week from today when you're listening to this. Or if you're not listening to this, it'll come out on December (laughs) 7th, which is a Thursday. So thank you again. We got a bunch of really great responses, and Penguin hit it out of the park. We got a lot of cool books for you. So anyway, we'll get into our December's books. How many did you say you have? I have eight. You have eight? Okay, I think I have 11, so I guess I will start. You can start. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first one, but I wanted to mention it because it's coming out this month. Uh, Persepolis Rising, which is by James S.A. Corey. It's the seventh book in the Expanse series. Uh, the reason I wanted to mention it is that they will be on our podcast in the somewhat near future. We haven't decided what the date's going to be yet. That's something <laughs> Joe and I will do after we're done recording. Um, but James S.A. Corey is actually two different people who work together. Uh, it is fantasy author Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. So they came up with this whole thing for The Expanse. They've now written seven books on it. Uh, It's a very, very popular television show on the Sci-Fi Network that they actually write as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, not like the entire thing, but they are heavily involved in the show itself, which is why I think the show is getting so well-reviewed because the people who wrote the books are actually a part of it. So uh, the seventh book in The Expanse series comes out December, I think December 5th, so very, very soon by the time you hear this, or wait, yeah, very soon by the time you hear this, uh, but it's called Persepolis, or Persepolis Rising. Oh, all the books are in our show notes, so don't worry about spelling things. Just go ahead and click in there. But yeah, that's my first one. I'm so excited about my first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited too. It's called Fire on Ice, the exclusive inside story of Tanya Harding. <laughs> I knew you were going to put it, so I didn't. Tanya and I share a birthday, by the way. Oh. (laughs) And I remember, I mean, I was like 13 years old Mm -hmm. during that particular Olympics, and I loved ice skating. It's my favorite. (sighs) I 
The whole so, thing okay. about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan is just so bananas to me. And so I'm... Oh, it's not just to you. It's... <laughs> well, no, I know. It's bananas in general, but I'm so excited. Can I ask you something about ice skating? Uh, or... You can. I can't guarantee <laughs> I know. No, no, no. It, this is going to be another general question. Um, <laughs> is it something that you get super excited for during the Olympics and then kind of disregard for the other... This is not... Yes, okay, it is. not a judgment. Because <laughs> I do the exact same thing with... Basically every Olympic sport, uh, I get to. I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna start watching downhill skiing more. And then of course I don't because it's not easy to find. But I was just yeah. curious when you said it's your favorite, like my wife's favorite. I love watching it during the Olympics, but I don't really. So yeah. now, do you feel the same way about gymnastics? I don't really get into gymnastics. Okay. I don't really watch. Well, I mean, other than the the track and field. Um, I say, I know you, I don't, you watch the Summer Olympics because you... Right, right. No, I mean, I watch the, the track and field stuff during yeah. the Summer Olympics, but that's really the only thing. I don't get as into the... Um, okay. Alex is the same way with gymnastics, where yeah. she gets super into it. During the, I was just curious. I don't yeah. know. Some people... So anyway, yeah. Fire on ice. It, fire on ice. Fire on ice. Can you pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Fire on ice. Not a song of fire on ice. <laughs> no. That would not be the right one. No. Uh, my next one is We'll Sleep When We're Old by, I think it's Pino Corias or Pino Corias. Uh, it, the description reminded me, made it sound kind of like an Italian Great Gatsby. Uh the description calls it like Fellini's classic film Eight and a Half mixed with Elmore Leonard's Get Shorty. Uh, when a fire devastates a famous uh, film person's villa in Italy in one of the most fashionable neighborhoods and he goes missing, all of Rome is left to wonder about his fate. Uh, and it literally, I I couldn't stop thinking about uh, The Great Gatsby when I... Uh, read the introduction and i wouldn't be surprised if there aren't great gatsby things in it because if you look at the cover mm. it's sort of like great gatsby adjacent like there's these big lips on it and the words kind of it just it looks it. almost like a gatsby type of a cover so that's we'll sleep when we're old by i think Pino Corias. i have the clothes make the girl look fat by Brittany gibbons a um Follow-up to her hilarious memoir in stories, Fat Girl Walking, Internet Personality, Brittany Gibbons, once again, deep dives into the world of the plus-size woman, this time chronicling her love, hate, but mostly uh, hate relationship with fashion. I love Brittany Gibbons. She's just so fun. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Nice. Uh, my next one, also, I have a lot of nonfiction. Is December a big nonfiction month? Maybe. I, okay. Um, mine is The Doomsday Machine by Daniel Ellsberg. Confessions of a Nuclear War Planner. This was shortlisted for the 2018 Andrew Carnegie Award uh, for nonfiction. And it's from the legendary whistleblower who revealed the Pentagon Papers, an eyewitness expose of the dangers of America's top secret 70-year-long nuclear policy that continues to this day. Um, There is stuff in here that discusses, they call it uh, a real-life Dr. Strangelove story and an ultimately hopeful and powerfully important book, not just about our country, but about the future of the world. It goes into all these crazy things like who had access to launching nuclear weapons throughout our history and who has access to it now. It, the whole thing sounds bonkers. So I feel like I'm going to hold my breath while reading this <laughs> one. That's The Doomsday Machine by Daniel Ellsberg. I have Love Janice by Laura Joplin. She is the younger sister of Janice Joplin. And so this is a biography about her older sister, which should be interesting. Seeing it sort of from that perspective and 
I love Janis Joplin. Yeah. So much. <laughs> I, I was actually, we've talked, now we, we've talked uh, a couple of times now about our social media specialist, Ricky, who is going to come uh, on this show. Yeah. We called her a little Stevie Nicks last time. She's also kind of, she she's looks a little, little Janice. She, she looks, looks like Janice. Yeah, exactly. She'll probably get excited about this. Too. She will. She's the, she's the best. So is Janice. Um, my next one is Elmet by Fiona Mosley. Yeah. That's one of mine. All right. It was That's okay. shortlisted for the 2017 Man Booker Prize. In this atmospheric and profoundly moving debut, Kathy and Danielle live with their father, John, in the remote woods of Yorkshire in a house the three of them built themselves. John is a gentle brute of a man, a former enforcer who fights for money when he has to, but who otherwise just wants to be left alone to raise his children. When a local landowner shows up on their doorstep, their precarious existence is threatened and a series of actions is set into motion that can only end in violence. Steeped in the natural world of Northern England, this is a lyrical commentary on the bonds of siblings and fatherhood and the meaning of community in the modern world. So, And I love the fact that Fiona is a debut author. So, When you're a debut author and you get shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize, that's yeah, pretty that's incredible. pretty incredible. Yeah. I have S by Koji Suzuki. Okay. That would be the letter S, although you can also find it sort of phonetically spelled out E-S, but it's the letter S. Um, 21 years after the legendary bestseller Ring, as in that ring, Mm. uh, which spawned blockbuster films on both sides of the Pacific and 13 years after birthday, the seemingly last word on iconic villain Sadako and her containment, internationally acclaimed master of horror and Shirley Jackson award-winning Koji Suzuki makes his much-awaited return to the famed trilogy's mind-blowing story world with the new novel S. That sounds very good. I didn't even tell you anything about the book, other than it's... It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. That's why I'm not even going to really, like, go into... I mean, you can if you want. No, it's a, um, it's about a, uh, a, a young guy who works at um a small cgi production company and he hopes to become a filmmaker despite his family wanting him to be a doctor he's tasked by his boss to examine a live streamed video of a suicide that's been floating around the internet and he takes on more than he had bargained for so yes um but yeah the ring as in yeah the movie the, with the, the creepy. Ring. Yeah. yeah um my next one is The Last Black Unicorn by Tiffany Haddish. I did not. I almost did, though. Okay. So if you are a longtime listener to this podcast, you know my affinity for comedic autobiographies, especially the audiobooks when they're read by the author themselves. And this one is. Tiffany Haddish is a stand-up comedian. She's also an actress. Uh, she was in the recent movie Girls Trip, which got a whole bunch of attention. Um, she's hilarious. I love her. Uh, she grew up in one of the poorest neighborhoods in South Central Los Angeles, and the book is a lot about her understanding now, getting used to the fact that like she has money and still feeling like she's doesn't have any, and, and she was raised in in foster homes and all sorts of different stuff. Like her life is is pretty crazy. If you're not familiar with Tiffany's stand up, I'm just gonna give you a heads up. She's a little raunchy, um, right up my alley. She cracks me up, but. Just so you're prepared, especially if you're going to listen to the audiobook. Um, yeah, she's she's kind of blunt and out there, and I love her to death. But just that's a nice little word. Yeah, exactly. So if uh, if four letter or five letter words upset you, you might not want to enjoy this one. But if you enjoy comedy and want to hear about an up upcoming wonderful person, Tiffany Haddish is great. 
I have Glass Town by Stephen Seville. He is an uh, internet uh, international sensation, selling over half a million copies of his novels and writing for cult favorite television shows, including Doctor Who, Torchwood, and Stargate. That is so a jail book. Right? Okay. So, um, this is his uh, U.S. debut, and... It, it's 1924. Two brothers both loved Eleanor Raines, a promising young actress from the east end of London. She disappeared during the filming of Alfred Hitchcock's debut, Number 13, which itself is now lost. It was a crime of the age, capturing the imagination of the city. The beautiful actress never seen again, and the gangster who disappeared the same day. Generations have passed. Everyone involved is long dead. But even now, their dark, twisted secret threatens to tear the city apart. Joshua Range is about to enter a world of macabre beauty, of glittering celluloid and silver screens, of illusion and deception, of impossibly old gangsters and the fiendish creatures they command, and more frighteningly of all, genuine magic. Okay, remind me of the, t- the name it's of that. Called t- Glass Town by Stephen. I think it's Seville. It's S A V I L E. I was asking, so like, a place to hold on it before we uh, share this with anyone else. Um, okay, this one, and maybe while I'm explaining it, you can look it up, because I've gotten a lot I can, I couldn't, it's called The Only Girl in the World by Maude Julian. I, I have, I almost, I did not put this on my list, but I, I almost did. Okay. But I don't know a lot about it, but continue. I saw a lot of confusing things where in Overdrive's marketplace, where all of our librarians do their purchasing, it said that it was released this month. But I saw all sorts of other weird stuff that said it was, like, released earlier, but I couldn't find copies of it anywhere. So I think it's a new release. Oh. Um, I don't want anyone to yell at me if it's not. While you're looking it up, I will explain what it okay. is. Because regardless of when it came out, everyone should read this book. Um, it's described as for readers of The Room and The Glass Castle. But this is a memoir of one woman rising above an unimaginable childhood. So this Maud Julian, she was raised, her parents were, like, fanatics who believed in their sacred duty to turn her into the ultimate survivor. She was raised in isolation without warm water or heat or proper amounts of food. Um, she learned she had to learn to hold an electric fence for minutes without flinching. She had to sit perfectly still in a rat-infested cellar all night, and she would have, like, bells on her, so if she moved, her parents would know and punish her. Um, she somehow, luckily, she literally befriended animals on her estate and uh, read books in secret to, like, keep her mind from going crazy. Again, she was raised in all. This is how she was raised. Um, and then one day there is a an outsider managed to penetrate her family's paranoid world. And during that time, she was able to escape. And so it's her entire memoir about everything that happens. And this Maud Julian is now a, um, I believe she's a psychotherapist, like, helps people who have been through traumatizing events. Um but again, I, it looks like you might have an answer for when it came out. I believe it, it it is coming out in the U.S. in December. I believe it's she's um, not from the U.S. Yes, so I think she's Dutch. I'm perhaps. not sure, but I, I think it's getting its U.S. release in December. Okay, so other countries may have already okay had it. So if you are a yeah, listener from outside, the, yeah. yeah, if you're in, if you're a listener from outside the United States. You have access to this now. If not, it'll be out very soon. But it's I, called The I, Only Girl in the World. I believe that's what is going on. Okay, there. thank you. I was very <laughs> confused. Go ahead and continue because i am got all mixed yeah, up from there. You have one? extra books, yeah. Okay, so, so all right. My next one is Strangers in Budapest by Jessica Keener. Uh, this is, so the story is set in Budapest. 
And there is this young American couple, Annie and Will. They move from Boston with their infant son shortly after the communist uh, regime has ended. And they think it's a chance to kind of escape their own past. Uh, And eight months after their move, their efforts to assimilate are thrown into turmoil when they receive a message from a friend in the U.S. asking them to check up on this elderly man who is a fiercely independent Jewish-American World War II veteran who he helped free all of these Hungarian Jewish people from Nazi prison camps. And then they learn that that man has come to Hungary to exact revenge on someone else who he is convinced seduced, married, and then murdered his daughter. Uh, And they're unable to kind of unwrap all of these different things. And it's uh, there's all sorts of there's tragedy in there, and it's it seems like it's going to be pretty dark, but it I just it sounds really really interesting, um, and I am excited to to learn about it. So that's Strangers in Budapest by Jessica Keener. I have a uh, Lady in Shadows by Lena Carbelbol. Sure, it's Nordic. I'm apologies for the mispronunciation. I meant to look it up beforehand and I forgot. Um. So she's a New York Times bestselling author and she returns with her beloved protagonist, Madeline, an ambitious young woman who shatters the confines of 19th century France. So on June 2nd, 1894, um, in the wake of the president's assassination, France descends into chaos and riots in the streets. Many lives are lost in the mayhem, but when one lady of the night is found murdered with brutal incisions and no sign of a struggle, it is clear something is amiss. Madeline Carnot must ask herself the terrifying question, do they have their very own Jack the Ripper in France? Ooh. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. No. That sounds awesome. Man, what's the name of that one again? It's called A Lady in Shadows. Oh, you're destroying my TBR list right now. That's, add all these. that's what happens. Um, my next one is The Last Suppers by Mandy Mikulinkik, I think. I'm sorry. That's not right. Mikulinkak. Oh, I'm Mandy, I apologize. I don't know how to say your last name. It's got a lot of consonants in it. Um, so the last, the last suppers is set in 1950s Louisiana, and it has been described as kind of similar to like the Help or Dead Man Walking, or a little bit of both. Um, it's this story about a woman. It's historical fiction, uh, but she was born and raised in this area around a very um, extreme state penitentiary in Louisiana. Uh, most of the people who live around there are sons and daughters of the corrections officers. And then when they, as soon as they get a chance, they leave because no one wants to live there. Uh, but this Ginny Polk chose to come back when she lives her life as a prison cook. And one of the things that she does is she cooks the last meals for the people who are on death row and goes through interacting with them on their final hours and showing some compassion to these people who you know, may not even deserve it. Um, but there, there's just, it sounds really, really interesting and almost reminded me kind of like the Green Mile a little bit. And I'm very excited to check this out. So that's called The Last Suppers. That I'm sounds not really gonna, good. Yeah, I'm not going to try and say the la- author's last name again and butcher it a third time. Um, My last one. How many more do you have? I ha- So I have two more actual books and then I have one that I'm just, it's available on Overdrive for the first time and I'm excited to talk about There's it. There's one I didn't put on my list that I thought you might, so I'll wait and see. So I have it pulled up just in case. Okay. But this is my last mm-hmm. one is um, House of the Sleeping Beauties by Yasunari Kawabata. Um, in these, there are three long tales in, um, from Nobel Prize winner Yasunari 
Kawabata, mm-hmm. um, examines the boundaries between fantasy and reality in the minds of three lonely men. Piercing examinations of sexuality and human psychology and works of remarkable subtlety and beauty, these stories showcase one of the 20th century's great writers in any language at his very best. So it just sounded really good. Yeah. Um, one of my last ones is called Improv Nation by Sam Wasan. Uh, How We Made a Great American Art. This is a uh, nonfiction. It's it's the backstory of how Second City was created in Chicago. Oh, cool. So Second City is this incredibly influential comedy theater troupe. Um, and when I say incredibly influential, some of it, the offshoots from it are the Groundlings, Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, SNL, uh, the Colbert Report, the Caddyshack, 40-Year-Old Virgin, like all of these things that have shaped comedy since the 70s and 80s and up through today somehow started in Second City. I mean, there's interviews with people in here from Amy Poehler and Alan Arkin and Chevy Chase and Dustin Hoffman and Steve Carell and Harold Ramis, like Judd Apatow. I, I am a massive, massive comedy nerd, as most people know, so... Uh, this is right up my alley. So that's called Improv Nation. And then the last one that I, I'm pretty sure is going to be the one that you think I had, but I want to know, what what did you think I would have on here that I haven't talked about yet? The Mad Hatters. Mad Hatters and March Hares. I just wanted to make sure. You can talk about it. No, no, um, go ahead. You can do it. So this is by Ellen Datlow. It's called Mad Hatters and March Hares. It's all new stories from the world of Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. So uh, Ellen Datlow is an anthologist, and she creates all these short stories uh, from the world of Alice in Wonderland and through the Looking Glass, um, and what Alice found there. So, I, I don't need to go any more than that, other than the fact that I'm gonna read the crap out of this. It looks yeah, and the cover is the cover is so fun. Yeah, I was gonna go with creepily fun. It's that too. The the Mad Hatter looks kind of like Rumpelstiltskin, and <gasps> that is totally what he looks like. Right? And, yes. And there's this. Like rabbit that has the white, yeah, that's the white rabbit. Yeah, and jumping and, over him. And... Yeah, the whole it's very, very good. Um, so that's called Mad Hatters and March Hares. And then the last one, I was very excited about this. This is not a new book, but the Stinky Cheese Man. Do you remember reading that when you were growing up? So the Stinky Cheese Man and other fairly stupid fairy, uh, other <laughs> the Stinky Cheese Man and other fairly stupid tales by John. Oh, I can never pronounce his last name. Skyska? I'm not even going to try. Okay, so these are books that I wrote when I was growing up with my mom. This is one of the books that we would read together all the time. Uh, the Stinky Cheese Man, is, they have little red running shorts in here. Uh, Cinderella, Stiltskin, uh, Chicken Lickin'. Like, there's just all these, like, funny... I like to think of them as, like, Weird Al Yankovic versions of fairy tales. And for the first time ever, it's available on Overdrive as an audiobook. So... I'm excited to listen to it. I love all of his books. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Yeah. All of them. Um, also, not for nothing, the, the description of this says, The Stinky Cheese Man has won too many awards to count, but some of them include a Caldecott Honor, Abbey Honor, Publisher Weekly Top Selling Kids Book of All Time, uh, an ALA Notable Children's Book, New York Times Bestsellers, yada, yada, yada. But that's just, Stinky Cheese Man, is, that got me right in the nostalgia. Somehow, when we've done, like, our, our... We've talked before about sort of fractured fairy tale type things. I don't know if his books have ever come up before. It's probably because a lot of them aren't available on Overdrive at the moment. That's true. So. But the Stinky Cheese Man is. Stinky Cheese Man is. So good. I think there was actually a version of the book that had Scratch and Sniff Cheese. What? I think we had that one. So. Um, but, yeah, that is our last books of the month of... 
2017, because that's how calendars work. <laughs> December ends the, the year. Uh, throughout December, though, we will have a whole bunch of best ofs. We're going to bring in all of our coworkers to talk about the books that they have enjoyed reading. Uh, that'll probably end up on Christmas Day because we won't have anything else to talk about. Um, Jill and I will do our best books of 2017. And who knows? Maybe maybe you'll get to go on NPR again, and I won't. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so uh, anything else you can think of that we left off? I don't think so. Awesome. Okay, well, I hope you guys enjoyed those. As a reminder, all the books we talked about are in our show notes. You can click and get links over to overdrive.com where you can sample them before they become available. And you can also then put yourself on the holds list at your libraries and borrow them as soon as they hit the quote-unquote shelves. Um, Yeah, that's everything. Um, Happy holidays. Happy December. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.